Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right, my friends. Here you are, tuned in to the home of America's conservative, not bitter talk. It is a pleasure to be here. Hope you had a great weekend. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. You can send all those questions and thoughts and feedback and appreciate hearing uh, from those of you who do write. Uh, as I've said, just make sure that it counts. Make sure that you make this opportunity count. Todd at ToddFShow.com. And let's get right into it today. I want to start. I want to start here with um, what I'm considering, well, an unholy alliance. What I would call collusion amongst the media and the Democrat Party, which, of course, we knew was happening. I mean, we talk about these things on a regular basis here. We talk about the Democrat Party's PR firm effectively being the media today, Um, waiting for the Ministry of Truth to chime in about that, more about that as the program comes together as, as well. But so... Durham, John Durham, who's been um, putting together, he's the special counsel, who has been looking into all sorts of things pertaining to the 2016 election, the Steele dossier, all that stuff with Hillary, the Clinton Foundation, the election, the phony, the phony, what, allegations and charges about Trump colluding with Russia and so uh, so on and so forth there. So this is in, at justthenews.com. This has been something that came out, uh, but that's, that's a bit of a developing story. But then in, a, in another sense, it's totally predictable. And, I mean, we can also predict where this is going to go. Headline of the story, Durham unmasks alliance between media, Democrat, dirt diggers that triggered false Russia story. Subheadline here, court filings show plan to introduce evidence that Clinton campaign flooded media with, quote, unverified derogatory information on Trump. So remember, in the wake of the 2016 election, I, I do like to talk about this from time to time. I haven't done this for a while. We were... Moving into the 2016 election, that was actually in the early days of this program. We launched our podcast in August of 2015. We first aired on Freedom 95 in October, just about a month before the election in 2016. We started at 2 a.m., believe it or not, back in those days. And we, you know, this is something that that election... That election was one of the first things. You just imagine, you just imagine launching a podcast and talk radio show in 
this being the first thing that you have to tackle on a regular basis is is the 2016 election president or at the time candidate Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, uh, the Clinton Foundation, all this stuff. Um, and so, so the common or the, I, I should say, the prevailing wisdom of the day back in 2016 was that Hillary was going to be coronated as king or president, I guess, of the United States. Trump was going to get shellacked. He had no chance. Um, You know, we had never Trumpers out there. We had people who were literally questioning whether or not Trump was more conservative or uh, than Hillary and all these sorts of things. And I never, I never for the life of me understood that part of, of the debate. Um, when we knew the opponent was Hillary Clinton, whoever was the nominee for the Republican Party was going to be the preferred choice. Even if that nominee, and he wasn't even running at the time, but just for the sake of argument, even if that nominee had been Mitt Romney or Evan McMullen, who's now wanting to become a Democrat in Utah, so as, as I understand it, Whatever the case, whoever the nominee, they were going to be a better candidate than Hillary Rodham Clinton. There's no way that any serious-minded person would think otherwise. I mean, Hillary Clinton was bad news. And not just ideologically, just incredibly off the charts corrupt. So that was the world that we were in when I was first launching this talk show about five, what is it, five and a half years ago now. And remember, it was a joke when people said Trump was going to win. Folks, I woke up that morning and I didn't know. In my, in 2016, I I remember thinking, and I think I shared this somewhere, I felt like he had a chance, but in my head, I kept thinking, man, how is he going to beat this Clinton machine and all that sort of stuff? But I just, I felt like he had a chance, but I didn't know. I didn't know either. And so, of course, we all know what happens. Um, Trump ends up winning. The left goes in utter meltdown mode. I mean, this is when we first saw first saw uh, the group of leftists who became these radical, incoherent, blabbering, I, I mean, just unstable sorts of individuals with the things that they were doing, screaming at the universe, ah, because Trump had won and so forth. Didn't take long before Maxine Waters and others in the Democrat Party said it doesn't matter how much we cry, how many schools we shut down, how many finals are rescheduled. It doesn't matter any of that. It doesn't matter how many service dogs we get or how many adult coloring books we hand out to people who are trying to cope with the 2016 election. Trump is going to be our president. And so they immediately went to their first coherent plan, which of course was, again, predictable, but they went for impeachment. In fact, there's documented evidence of them calling for impeachment on, I don't know, Trump's ninth or tenth day in office or something like that, which of course we know they were planning long before that. And so there went the storyline, the narrative, Trump colluded with Russia. It was the only reasonable, I look back on this and I think, what in the world? I, I didn't even, not even looking back, at the time I said these same things. How, how do people think conspiracies happen? 
Trump calls up Putin and says, get your ad team, your media team on this, get your graphic designers, your Facebook team together, make some ads for us, and we'll trick people into voting for me that were planning on voting for Hillary. That's the narrative. That's the story. Everyone knew that, it, first of all, it made absolutely no sense at the time. And also, for anybody who paid attention and had the information, they knew that it was completely unsubstantiated. In fact, we know we know that Fusion GPS was getting paid to do this research and so forth by the Clinton campaign. Um, this was... <laughs> This was a hit job from the very beginning, but it effectively served as a, well, it ran interference on the Trump campaign for his entire term in, in office. And so, as this stuff began to be exposed and investigations were done and all this sort of stuff, right? Remember um, the allegations when Trump said the Clinton campaign was spying. They were, they were what were they, uh, wiretapping his phones, he said. And, of course, people laughed. But in reality, we have evidence of all this stuff happening now. All this stuff happening. And Durham is bringing it to the attention of the American people, which, again, we know how this is going to be handled. This is going to be um, blown off. This is going to be... Well, anyone involved is going to be maligned. John Durham is going to be uh, demonized as a partisan hack and all this sort of stuff. Uh, but this, we're, we're now circling part. I say part because the, the problem is massive, but part, a big part of the problem. And that is this unholy alliance between today's Democrat Party and, and the media. Again, this is, this is un, truly undeniable. So, I want to talk about this a little bit. In fact, what's interesting is yesterday at church, um, the ser- our, uh, what we, our senior pastor didn't preach. It was one of our other pastors. And the sermon, it, it, let me be clear, did not hit on politics, but it hit on something that I've said on this show before. Um, and I want to talk about that, and I want to talk. I want to try to frame this the right way because whether you are a, I think no matter who your political party is, if you're a fair-minded individual, this unholy alliance between the media and the Democrat Party, and I'm not talking about rank-and-file Democrats. I'm talking about the elite, the ones that are calling the shots. Remember, remember the same media, the same media colluded back in 2016 during the primaries to steal the election, the the nomination anyway, from Hillary to get it to Bernie. Remember Hillary getting fed questions and Bernie not having those questions in a debate and so forth? I mean, this this should upset anybody who's fair-minded. If Hillary won the nomination fair and square, that's just who the nominee is and, I mean, or was at the time. Um, but is that really what happened? And did the campaign, was the campaign engaged in behavior that was, well, damning behavior and also potentially illegal behavior? These are serious problems. And let me just go on record. I don't care. And I, it bothers me. Look, I don't, I'm, I'm unoffendable in a lot of ways, but in, in this sense, it bothers me if you're an individual, and I'm not speaking to you personally, but if I meet someone who's an individual who says, I don't care 
what my candidate has to do. They can lie. They can steal votes. They can do whatever. If that's someone's position, we're going to have an incredibly difficult time getting along, communicating, that sort of thing, because that that cannot happen. When that sort of thing happens, I mean, it's inevitable that eventually the rot within our government will cause absolute and total collapse. It can't be sustained. We can't have people with that low of moral character in our government. We just can't do it. We can't let that become the status quo. Now, I can hear you now saying that's already become the case, and okay, fair enough. Then we've got to change it is my point. we got to make sure, come hell or high water, that we that we reclaim this. And some people think it's a foregone conclusion. What are we trying to do here? There's nothing we can do. We should just wring our hands, enjoy our days until, you know, the inevitable bad news comes and America is truly not only not what it was created to be, but cannot even return to that. We've not reached that point, folks. We have not. We, we move that direction when the left is in power. We move that direction when we start following or having the ideology of the left implemented. We move that direction when we watch them institute something directly from the book 1984, the Ministry of, of Truth, which is really what we're going to call it here. I don't care what stupid name they come up with. It is the Ministry of Truth, except for when they use the word truth, they mean the exact opposite. It's, it's a propaganda arm. So these, there's... We're moving in that direction when they have the reins, when they have the decision-making abilities and you know power within and government and so forth. But we're not we're not there yet. We're certainly not there yet. But it should bother every one of us. And I put me on record as saying if any conservative legitimately has broken the law or has truly given investigators actual probable cause, not just being targeted, as we've seen conservatives be targeted by groups like the IRS and other government agencies and so forth, at the hands of leftists. That is abusing government. But if there's legitimate probable cause, I don't care who the person is, they need to face the consequences. Even if I agree with them, even if I'm excited about their candidacy, this cannot be allowed to happen. But it is allowed to happen in the Democrat Party and a lot of people either don't know, don't care, don't want to get involved, are so scared of the, of the Republican Party because they've been worked into a frenzy by people in the media, by people in the Democrat Party, usually by lies, misconceptions, misrepresentations of reality, phrases like the don't say gay bill, multiply that by 10,000, and that's what happens to Republicans on a regular on a regular basis. Again, I can say that and tell you at the same time, I'm not a defender of Republicans carte blanche. Republicans have done plenty of things to upset me, plenty of things that have caused bad, you know, bad repercussions for this country. But but it is the home of not all Republicans by the way, but it is the home. It is the it is the only vehicle we have at the moment to put forth a legitimate political movement and actually have some political power in reinstituting constitutional conservatism in, in this country. And so, with all that being said, I want to take a break. When I get back, 
I want to talk about um, something I heard in the sermon yesterday that reminded me of something I had said and then relate it. Well, I've said it multiple times in the past, but I want to relate it back to back to what we are experiencing with this, this um, group of, I mean, I call them pre- professional deceivers in the media, um, but you can really think of them, you know, whether they're in the media, whether they're in government, the bureaucratic state, what have you. You can think of these folks as a group of people who are using their power to manipulate, to mislead, to achieve a desired outcome that they want at the expense of the American people. Reminds me of the sermon yesterday. Reminds me of some things we've said on this program. And as I talk about this, I want you to ask yourself, who is, who are these people today? When we connect, again, the stories of uh, antiquity, I su- suppose, back during the New Testament times, and we connect that to who the problems are today and who the problems were uh, back in those particular times as well. Got a lot of other things I want to get to, including free speech, ministry of truth, all these sorts of things, but I want to start here. Quick time out, though. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk, my friends. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. back my friend so let's i just want to share briefly this isn't going to be a sermon or anything i just something came out yesterday that we've talked about before this article that i read over the weekend just connected the dots for me well they just spoke kind of a similar message and i just want to i want to share this because i think this is important to understand and the sermon uh over the weekend the pastor um was talking about the different approaches that Jesus had when talking with different <clears throat> with different people. And by the way, he did have different approach with different people. Um, in fact, you could say that he. Um, I think I think the highlights or the the points were, you know, he loved people, bef- and then and then shared truth, the people that didn't know him, maybe people that were new, people inside the church or, you know, his followers. He he taught. He taught through parables, and he tried to directly teach them and all that sort of stuff. I mean, this is simplistic. I'm not saying this just covers every detail, but then there was another group. <clears throat> There's another group of people, the religious leaders of the day. And as the pastor said, they Jesus kind of cracked the whip on these folks. He tore into them. And why? Why, why, why? I mean, there, there were, first of all, is <clears throat> a greater responsibility upon the leadership. That's true. On top of that, these leaders, these leaders who were supposed to be there to minister to the people, to help the people, you know, to teach and to move them along and to grapple with, you know, difficult times and whatever else, just, you know, that whole, that kind of ministry, they didn't, they didn't do that. In fact, they actually increased the burden on people. In fact, I've heard stories where um, some of these religious leaders said, if you dragged your cane too hard on the Sabbath, that would be considered an instance of plowing. All sorts of regulations and, and rules that, 
oftentimes led simply to people being more in bondage and the burden being heavier on people. And again, without getting too preachy, that's not the point here, but that's not what Jesus came to do. Yes, we need to be come to the reality of who we are and the fact that we haven't, you know, in many, many, many ways missed the mark. Um, but Jesus came to set us free, not to put us under this boke or under this yoke and, and burden of of rules and regulations. And it was almost like every time regular people were trying to take steps forward, these leaders were burdening them and, and pressing them down and backwards. And as I think about this, and I've talked about this on here before, but who does that sound like today? Who does this to the American people? Who, who taxes the American people into oblivion? Who regulates the American people, the American business, into oblivion? Who's out there putting pressures on citizens and on tech platforms and on governments to censor what people are allowed to say? Who's out there, whatever you think of January 6th, who's out there interfering with the due process of people who have been detained potentially may be convicted and potentially rightfully so, but regardless, not being addressed the way that they're, or, you know, being dealt with the government the way that the Constitution insists. Who's out there preparing, by the way? I Actually, they're not act well. They're always actively preparing, but they're really at this point waiting for the right time to unleash the next propaganda move on the American people, and that is climate change legislation designed to further overburden and terrify the American taxpayer, and it works in some circles. Who's out there pushing these lies and falsehoods about there being an infinite number of genders. By the way, that's literally what some of these folks think. There's not no one can put a number on the, the actual number of genders. I just watched I just watched something over the weekend that the person said this. Who am I to say how many genders there are? That's up to the person. I, just who's doing this stuff? Who's pushing critical race theory? Who thinks it's their job to take over raising children? Who are these people? What's their mindset? What's their worldview? And folks, it becomes obvious to me that we have a group today in America who is acting in such a way as to overwhelm and put under such a heavy burden in this country producers, people who are working, people who can't produce because the burdens are so high. Who's, whose policies are are causing inflation to hit 40-plus-year highs. Who's doing this? By the way, the market went down significantly on Friday as well. Who's, who is causing the behavior, or who, who is, I guess, initiating the behavior and the policies that are causing these responses and reactions? Do we really believe that a government that goes around saying that People need to pay their fair share of taxes when quite literally, 
Quite literally, people are paying in some cases over half of their incomes. Half their incomes. In, ta- in taxes of all forms, right? Not just not just federal, federal, state, local. Look at your property taxes. If you're, I don't know where everyone, you know, we have listeners all over the country and, and many countries around the world as well. But here in, in my particular state of Indiana, I've heard many people, many people complaining about their property taxes increasing dramatically because, of course, the value of homes has gone up. And what are property taxes tied to? The assessed value of homes. And what are the assessed value of homes tied to? Well, property values and what things are selling for in a particular, in a particular area. Who's, who's responsible for this? You cannot tell me in any universe that taking half of someone's money, half of someone's money to run the federal government is a justifiable thing. That is so, that is, that is multiple times off of what the founders ever, ever envisioned. Who's becoming a burden to free markets. Who's becoming a burden to people who are trying to start businesses or grow businesses or hire employees? Where who's the real burden here? What do they believe? And the the next question it begs to me is do they really uh, are they this inept or is this something that is intentional? And wouldn't that make it now the results are the same, but wouldn't that even make it worse? If we came to the realization that they understand that a, a, a population that is less prosperous and under more burdensome control or under more burden is easier to control, which is, which is true, by the way, which is true. I mean, I'm reminded, I'm reminded of life, what I've seen about life in communist countries, communist Soviet Union. I mean, they literally were so oppressive and so evil, the government, not the people, the government, that it took away it took away the life from people. I mean, people just literally wanted to survive, get through the day in the in, in the United Socialist Republics, the, the Soviet Union. It wasn't a place that you could flourish. Unless you were, of course, in the ruling class, which again, who did this? Who would who would have been more most similar to these burdensome religious leaders in Jesus's time that he was angry enough with to where he flipped tables over in the in the temple? Who would that have been? And then when you realize, and it, it's the political class. I don't. We we can. I'm not going to get into it any more detail than that, but it's, the, it's the, the ruling class. It's the people who are benefiting from the tax dollars, who are benefiting from you know, gathering more power at the expense of everyone else, telling us they're trying to help people, when in reality their policies are creating an insurmountable burden on the United States of America. And there are certainly within that group at least a percentage some may say a very sizable percentage, who like this concept because it puts pressure on a country that they don't like, a system that they don't like, that they, of course, have a replacement system for if they convince 
if they can convince enough, enough Americans that our system is broken, which of course our system isn't broken, our leaders, well, our politicians, how about that, are broken. We've got some bad, bad people. We've got some people who like the circumstances they're in where they can promise relief just like they've done throughout history. Dictators all over the world have done this. Promised relief, people sing their praises, people never fully understanding that the reason they're in dire straits are because of those very leaders who promised deliverance, who promised to provide, who promised a way out, but yet continued to heap burdens upon fellow citizens, upon the very people who thought that they were going to be delivered by these, by these dictators and, you know, take your pick, whichever country, whatever title, prime minister or president or whatever. And it never happens. It never happens. And for some, the words and the things that they say sound so good that they never connect the dots and say, your actions are the things that have caused all this turmoil and strife. And then to realize that that was done intentionally, at least by a percentage of them. Some folks may just be willing... <laughs> Willing idiots, I guess, in the process. But some of them do this deliberately. And they do it to maintain their position, their clout, you know, for money, for power, to stay in the ruling class at the expense of everybody else. Who's levying, who's levying this sort of hardship upon the American people? This is unacceptable. And then to find out, to boot, that the media colludes which of course we knew, but to see Durham now actually pointing this out that the Clinton campaign was working and working in cahoots with the media to fuel these false stories and narratives to advance the cause of the radical left. And that makes it even that much worse in my mind. And it's why I call these folks professional deceivers. Quick time out. When we get back, I want to talk about Obama, believe it or not. I want to talk about free speech. And yes, the Ministry of Truth. 1984, the book may come up as well, my friends. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So... We have spoken a lot, had a lot of things to say about Elon Musk, about Twitter, about big tech, about censorship, about free speech. These things are critically important. So I'm going to kind of combine two things here in the time we have remaining in the program today. So we have Obama. He's out speaking somewhere. I, I'm not even sure entirely where, um, where this particular speech is taking taking place. But Obama is speaking and he is talking about big tech. He is talking about censorship. He's talking about social media censors. And he's talking about how they don't go no, far. The good news is, is that Okay, I'm not ready for that yet. This is him speaking this was uh this is a clip from cnbc but he's talking about really the role of these social media companies in being the ministry of truth which now we have the biden administration literally has put together a 
Ministry of, of Truth. They're calling it, what, the Disinformation Governance Board or some such thing. Um, people are calling it Ministry of Truth, and we should, because that is a term that was coined by, uh, well, in the book 19, uh, 1984, George Orwell's book. So if we're going to have people determine what's true and not, or, or not, what, who, who's the arbiter here? Right? Who's going to be the person who makes the decision about what is true? I just went through the whole first half of the program talking about things that we were told. Well, I guess the first segment. We were told that it was true that Trump colluded with Russia. Totally made up. No evidence whatsoever. Totally fake news. Made up mumbo jumbo. And that's what we were told. So, but, and, and, Today, if you have questions about something that's true, you're not even allowed, or what you think might be true. If you're just trying to make sense of things, you can't even ask questions. I have had programs taken down off of YouTube, which we're going to be off of YouTube. If you follow us on YouTube, listen, download the podcast, something, but we're not going to be on there. They, they're going to take us down, and I don't care. They can have their stupid platform. But um, they've taken us down simply for explaining what people I, I did episodes where I explained both sides of the election debate. I did it fairly and objectively. They took down episodes where I simply asked questions about things that were happening and what could possibly explain it or why certain evidence uh, couldn't be uh, couldn't point to a larger problem. You're not even allowed to do that. The Ministry of Truth doesn't like that. See, I like to talk about truth, but see, I'm on record that I think you should question it. I think you should press back. I think if there's holes in what I'm telling you, I believe to be fundamentally true, then it's it's either, well, it either disproves it or we have to think about a better way to articulate it. I welcome that, my friends. I think the more that we all understand what's actually positively true, the better off all of us are going to be. They don't even want you to talk about it. They don't want you to ask questions. They want you to look to them to say, okay, what's true? Ministry of truth? Tell me what's true. I won't even ask questions. You tell me you're the boss. You're smart. I'm stupid. You're in control. I'm not. I'm the serf. You're the master. I'm supposed to just do whatever you tell me. And they that's what they desire. That's what these the ruling class truly does desire. So I'm have, I don't have time to play this soundbite, this clip, but I'm going to do it, or this segment. I'll do it next next segment. I'm just, I'm long in this segment here. But when we come back, I want to play what, what Obama's out there saying. The, the media, social media has not gone far enough in censoring people. We need to have the Ministry of Truth step in. <laughs> it's truly remarkable. The book 1984 is actually unfolding before our eyes. Of course, I don't know how many people have even read the book, are familiar with what it is, the dangers of all that. But nonetheless, it is unfolding for anyone who cares to see. Quick time out, my friends, back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. Let's play that soundbite I was referencing last segment. Obama telling us just how important it is for the government to do more and more and more and more. Ministry of Truth, all this stuff. Here he is. Now, the good news is, is that almost all the big tech platforms now acknowledge some responsibility for content on their platforms. 
And they're investing in large teams of people to monitor it. Monitoring it, that's right. Given the sheer volume of content, mm-hmm. this strategy more. can feel like a game of whack-a-mole. They don't like that. It's out of their control. Still, uh, no. talking to people at these companies, I believe they are sincere in trying to limit content that mm-hmm. engages. I bet they are. In hate speech, encourages violence, values. or poses a threat to public safety. I, AKA conservatism. They genuinely are concerned about it. They genuinely. Do something about it. Okay. But while content moderation can limit the distribution of clearly dangerous content, it, it doesn't is. go far enough. There we go. Doesn't go far enough. No, no, no. We need more government. The literally the, the last thing that we need is more government, and that's what they're calling for. I mean, it's it's you know it's it's predictable, but at the same time, my goodness. Really quickly, something I want to probably end up getting to throughout the rest of the week is this story. This Time Magazine on, I think it was Friday, had an article um, that was entitled Elon Musk and the Tech Bro Obsession with Free Speech. (laughs) The Tech Bro Obsession with... The Tech Bro Obsession. Are you kidding me? I'm supposed to believe that tech... Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg... Obsessed with free speech? Are you kidding me? It is it is ridiculous and absurd to listen to some of this stuff. But anyhow, um, this article is written. Who wrote this? Um, Charlotte Alter. So we're going to get to that, and she concludes here by saying it's I think basically a problem. A problem. Amongst, I think thought there was something here about white males, which is funny because I'm aware of what one African American thinks about free speech. I, just they, they've actually spoken on this issue, and a hundred percent of those who have spoken about free speech in America, as it pertains to social media here in the past couple of days, hundred percent of African Americans think that free speech is good. Of course, by African American, I mean Elon Musk. He was born in Africa. <laughs> I don't know. That's, I think that's uh, a fair way to assess it. I mean, since this is considered a, what do you mean a white person's problem? This, this sort of stuff, folks, is so idiotic, so insane. Free speech is good for humanity, all people. And I've got to take a break just out of time, my friend. Sit tight back in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. So, not a lot of time here. And I'm just having some fun with this. I was talking about Elon Musk. But if we want to get really technical about it, oh boy, I asked Oz during the break if I should say this. But, I mean, if we really want to be technical about it, and if some people get upset for me to say that the only the only African-American's opinion I heard on big tech and free speech directly is Elon Musk's. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm just having a little fun with this. But in fairness, I mean, he is more African-American, technically speaking, um, than our vice president is. I'm just saying, having a little bit of fun here, take it easy. Folks, hope you have a great day. There's a lot to get to with this stuff. I'm going to table it for the la- uh, later in the week. 
SDG. See you tomorrow. Take care.